Hello and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura and welcome to episode 14, I believe. Um, this week, like we have been doing the past few weeks, just going over the current state of affairs in our two favorite sports, baseball and hockey, because there's actually sports to talk about. <laughs> it's so exciting. Um, so we'll kick it off with Morgan. What's, what's going on in the world of baseball? Um part of me feels like I just haven't been paying attention because I don't have much to say, which makes me think, what have I missed? But I'm, I've been keeping close attention, so th- <laughs> there shouldn't be much. Um, there hasn't been a lot of COVID news, although that could potentially change because the Reds now have at least one player that's tested positive. They had to cancel. I think they just canceled Saturday, Sunday. I think they did play Friday and then Saturday was when they found the positive. Um, from what I read, it's only one player. However, that always feels like it's about to be the whole team. For now, it's one player dot, dot, dot for now. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen any like, rumors on like oh this because the player hasn't been named I so I haven't seen anything of like oh they went out or oh they did this or they did that so it could just be one of those things like he came in contact with someone who was asymptomatic and he caught it and they and then MLB caught it before it could spread so hopefully that's how it goes however (laughs) there most teams have played about 20 games right now the Cardinals have played like six so that's and the, the Reds were playing the Pirates this week, this weekend. And I don't think they've mentioned on any games for the Reds being canceled this week. So not re- I mean, I would assume if they canceled the Pirates series, they'd have to cancel the rest of the week for the Reds. Which, that whole division is just messed up. Well, because I remember hearing, and this was before some of their other canceled games. At one point, the Red, the Cardinals had to play, would have to play like forty-five games in thirty-five days to finish the season. Yeah, they had I mean, like four doubleheaders scheduled in September somewhere. The thing people don't realize is you can't even. It's not even like well, you can just do doubleheaders all the time because doubleheaders that requires two starting pitchers, and it's yeah. not as if when you have a doubleheader, then it means it takes a pitcher half the time to recover. So you can't just have right. doubleheader, doubleheader, doubleheader because you'll run out of pitchers. Yeah, and a lot of times, I think if I remember correct, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm making up a rule in my head, but I thought for some reason in doubleheaders you could pull up. Like an extra pitcher. I think you can pull up like one extra player. I think of any kind. I think, yeah, that's what I think. And I think they usually go for like bullpen because Mm -hmm. generally the second game is a bullpen game, which it would have to be for them. I'd imagine, you know, if they actually end up playing all of September, they're just going to be like rotating guys from the alternate training site. It's going to be like how the Marlins, where they just had a bunch of no names. Like the Cardinals are just going to have to do that for the doubleheaders. Um, and soon the Reds are gonna have to like it. There's so many. It, and it sucks for the teams that don't have any positive tests because they get screwed over too. Mm-hmm. And especially with it all being in like two different divisions, it easily just messes with four, eight, ten teams at a time, and which really sucks because like it affects the ones that who are doing everything right and want to play and are trying to be as cautious as possible. And then you have, which again, don't know if the Reds player is someone who just happened to catch it or if he like went out and did something stupid and that's how he caught it. Um, 
which speaking of the Cleveland pitcher who we talked about last week, that was last week, right? <laughs> um, yes. He was sent home from Chicago to Cleveland. And then another of their pitchers, I think it was Clevenger. He also was sent home like the next day, like after we were recorded, then it was reported that he was sent home. Well, then the team had like a team vote yesterday or two days ago and they sent they voted to send those two players to the alternate training site so <laughs> they were essentially voted off the team that's like voted off the island there <laughs> which i am totally up for like i would if i was on that team that's exactly what i would want to do i would want the final say of like no they screwed up they don't get to be on the team mm-hmm. so it does it is part of me is kind of like well we do need pitchers and those, both of those pitchers are good Cleveland pitchers. It just, I do like that there's a uh, penalty factor. Penalty wasn't the word I was going to go for, but I'm watching hockey and that's the word that popped up. Yeah, I have hockey on too. And, but the other thing too, I think is not just the penalty thing, but also like the, what we were talking about with uh, the opponents kind of also applies to the team. If I'm sitting there as a yeah. Cleveland player. I'm like, well, I don't want to get it and like lose games that I want to play. Yeah. Morons went out and got like, so I would be like, yeah, I just want them away from me. Right. And from what I can remember, I think that's all the baseball news, which again, feels very weird because usually I have like 30 minutes of rant worth news. So, but I do have um, that for hockey. So it's not like we're lacking in that. I will just say, so I, I look, I follow that Astros shame tour or whatever yes. on Twitter and Jose Altuve is batting like a buck 70 or something. Mm-hmm. It's r- really horrible. And every time they tweet his batting average, I'm just always here for the person who retweets it and says, oh, it's amazing how much harder baseball is when you don't know what pitch is coming. I think of that every time. <laughs> which actually, I'm always here for that. That reminds me of one other piece of news. Uh, so when last week when Oakland and the Astros had their brawl, the hitting coach for the Astros got suspended 20 games. And even – here's the issue I have. Mariano also got suspended. I think it was six games, which I'm like, he didn't even – like, sure, he and ran honestly, the dugout. But that's, like, worth maybe two games. But honestly, a pitcher getting – or, like, any player getting suspended is worth way more than, like, okay, you sp- suspended a coach 20 games. like. Right. Who cares? And it's the hitting coach. Clearly, yeah. he's not doing anything for them right now. Yeah, like, who cares? It's not even, yeah, like a base coach. Okay, yeah. well, then that alters your strategy a little bit. I still think it's way worse to have a, lose a player than yeah. a coach, but, like, a hitting coach. Right, and Loriano is uh, appealing it because I did see him play the other day. So, as far as I know, his appeal hasn't been looked at or anything. So, do you want to go over to hockey? Yes. So we have some news tidbits to sprinkle in, but I figured we'd just go through the bracket and bring up the news as the teams came up because I have the bracket up. And so I guess because I'm starting on the west side this time, we'll start with the game that's on right now. Vegas is playing Chicago. Vegas has a 3 nothing lead in this series. Um, they have a chance to obviously sweep it tonight, but as of right now, they're down 2-1. to one. Um, I will say I think Vegas is in a, an interesting position because this is a back-to-back game, and I think there's one back-to-back in every series at some point. It might not get to it if it doesn't go seven games, but depending on where it is, it could. And the Vegas one is interesting because they have um, 
Fleury played yesterday and then they have um, Leonard today, which is a really great position for the Blackhawks, or for Vegas to be in, but the Blackhawks have Crawford and Subban, and Subban, he's not even that good of a backup, so you, you just can't play him two games in a row, and so, or you can play him as the second game, so you have to play Crawford two games in a row, and Crawford, to his credit, it's bizarre, he didn't look great yesterday, he hasn't looked great all series, but he looks amazing tonight, and so I think it is kind of an interesting thing, it just always comes back to Chicago, part of the reason Crawford has to look great is because Chicago's defense, I mean, it's like Swiss cheese. It's really not good. Yeah, and I, I kind of kind of kept up with them for the most part. And Vegas just overall looks like the stronger team. And I'm actually surprised Vegas is losing right now, but again, back-to-back, so I kind of get it, even though they're playing a goalie that's, Played both games? I don't know. It's just... And ironically, the reason they're losing is because of a uh, kind of misplay by Leonard. Because he, like, head-butted the puck into the goal. Yeah. Her. Those are always so unfortunate. Yeah. I feel so bad when that happens. And I really like Robin Leonard. I think there's a lot to like about him. So I, I, I kind of root for him just because I like him. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. There's not a lot... I think it's probably good we started with that because there's not a lot to that series. It just kind of is playing how exactly you think it would. And, like, no offense to Chicago, but they just aren't built as, like, a good playoff team. Yeah. I think I think we both had Vegas in four. Yeah. Um, so I either yeah, had a four like, or five. and Yeah. It's kind of playing how you expect. The next one, the Avs, uh, Colorado Avalanche, are playing the Arizona Coyotes. And – uh, Arizona won their first game yesterday, I believe. So it is 2-1 Avalanche in the series. And I would say the thing that is kind of the X factor in this, Darcy Kemper is single-handedly keeping the uh, Coyotes in this series. He looks really good. Um, but overall, Colorado as a team on paper and in the games just has more talent. Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen on defense, Kale McCarr. Like, Arizona has Taylor Hall, Oliver Ekman-Larsen, maybe, but, like, they just don't have the same level that Colorado does. And the only thing that's keeping them in is, I would say, Darcy Kemper has been the superior goaltender, and that's not anything against, I believe it's Pablo Francois has been playing most of the games for Colorado. That's nothing against, it's not like he's done terrible, but Kemper's just been that good. Yeah, they're... There's one of the series that I feel like I've managed to miss almost every game when it's on. Yeah. And I, I don't know why, because, like, I, I want to watch it. I like Colorado as a team. I'm probably not supposed to say that, being a Stars fan, but I said it anyway. Um, but for some reason, every time, I, I and I've been keeping up with the schedule, there's a series that I've just missed every game. I think also they're putting it as, like, the bonus coverage game or, like, the yeah. early day game because, like, they know it's not it, – it doesn't have the biggest fan base. Like, Colorado has yeah. a decent fan base, but Arizona very does not. So yeah. that's kind of how that is. Then Especially, like, it doesn't have any Canada in it, so you're not really – Right. That's true. Because I, So the next series we're talking about is the one that I think is most important to this show, <laughs> Dallas-Calgary. It is currently – tied in the series 2-2 which is really interesting um 
I would say something that's kind of an X factor that we did not plan on in our series opening is um, Matthew Kachuk is, has been out with a, an injury and that's kind of an interesting impact on Calgary as a team. I would say my thing about Cam, uh, Cam Talbot being the inferior of the goalies is I feel very good with that assessment. Even now, I think he's he's been fine, but it's definitely, I think, an advantage Dallas has. It's an advantage if the Stars would use it. Um, <laughs> I, literally the last, because I think he's been the goalie for every game. It, not it feels like it um and every time I'm, I like your words echo in my head which is why that quote was used on our Instagram uh there's a little plug for us and I, I think about it every time like just put your goal scores on and like score some dang goals against Talbert and it's not it I don't know why so first of all we're missing like wide open nets is half the problem the other half is suddenly we're hitting all the posts again I feel like we've reverted back to October mm-hmm. where like Sagan was hitting all the posts and the crossbars and now everyone is too which also I had to go back and think wait was that this season or last season which now I'm still questioning it if that was actually this season because everything is mush in my brain but I swear to God, today's game, Sunday's game, took a decade off my life. Well, yeah, so that's what I really want to talk about. Today's game was fascinating. Yeah. So One word to put it. <laughs> uh, and I think it kind of it, it shows what a lot of people, myself included, thought Joe Pavelski could bring to yeah. the stars. But that he hasn't always been utilized in the correct way. And I think even his hat trick goal kind of shows a little bit of the problem. Because if you look at how he got that hat trick goal, it's how he was such an effective player for the Sharks. The last playoff series last year was he was that net front presence. He was always, that's where he was on the power play and even in regular. And that's where he was on that goal. But Jamie Benn is, like, right also there, too. And having two people net front, it worked in that case because it was an empty net. And so there were six people, and so you kind of have an extra person to throw somewhere. But when you have five people, you can't have two people net front. And so it just makes this really weird thing. Yeah, and it happens every time, it feels like. Every time. Thank God they won. But also there was part of me, like, when they tied it, I was like, but did I want this? what I do I want overtime of this game because this okay so they were playing at the same time the Rangers were playing and simultaneously I was following them on Twitter and both had just sloppy defense and it was like I wanted to pull my hair out uh the first three goals that Calgary scored Sekera was on on the ice for all three of them and two of those were power play goals and both of those power play goals Sekera was just like not defending the person who scored the goal like it he just had a wide open shot and it was kind of like well yeah of course that was gonna happen because no one was in front of him and <laughs> honestly this was the most roller coaster of games Giryanov got 17 minutes though which I would have preferred that if it was just a three period game and I was gonna say you can't really say oh he got overtime. 15 minutes it's so great because they played almost a complete overtime yes uh which I felt like in overtime, he played a lot. I didn't actually look at what his minutes were for just overtime. 
but it felt like he was on the ice a lot, which for honestly, that could have been just like he was on the ice for four minutes, and that feels like a lot because he doesn't get that much. I digress. That's part of my rant later. I'll hold that one in. I just, it just feels like this, I had the stars, or the Calgary winning in five for this series, which I'm glad to be wrong, at least for the five games part. Part of me is like, let's just make it seven games and have it interesting and see what happens. Then also there's that other part of like, do I want to watch seven games of, of this? Because almost the same thing every game. Like, they'll look really good, and then like, it just falls apart, which that happened, what was that, game two, game three, really, both of those, those 9.30 starts freaking messed me up so bad, but it, it's just a weird team, because there are times I'm like, okay, that wasn't really entirely the coach's fault that they lost, like game three, they that that didn't look like it was more of a coaching issue it looked more of like the the team just looked lost on the ice but when you have that combo which basically felt like today was the combo of like they kind of looked together but kind of not sure and then the coaching was kind of unsure I don't I don't know what to even expect for the rest of this it's just like I'm exhausted (laughs) I figured out something with the coaching that bothers me because so Barry Trotz is kind of well known as one of the best defensive coaches in Mm -hmm. hockey and like runs a very structured defensive system and some people were really scared when he got hired by Washington because Washington had kind of lost their way a little bit because they were trying to make Alexander Ovechkin be things he's not. Mm-hmm. And like, well, then you just brought in a defensive coach. But that isn't what Trotz did. He, like, added structure to their defense, but then he, like, focused on unleashing the offense. And I think he's kind of not so much doing that in New York. But look at the players he has. He has Matthew Barzell, who he legitimately lets kind of be creative offensively. And then he has a lot of guys who are – Eh. I mean, he has some good defensemen, but they're not exactly offensive defensemen. And it's just a lot of, like, good but not great players. And so that structure, that system that's designed to help them because they're not going to – it's like it's like the uh, miracle quote, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Like, I don't know that they have enough talent. But that's not Dallas. If, if you, like, threw Barry Trotz into Dallas, he's not going to run the same system that he's running in New York because the personnel is different. He right. does Rupe Hintz, Tyler Sagan, Joe Pavelski, Alexander Radulov, uh, Dennis Gurionov, and, I mean, even Jamie Benn, I think, if you put him in the right circumstances. He hasn't been, like, as productive as he has been. But it's like you have all that. And then, of course, Miro Heiskanen and John Klingberg on the defensive side of things as far as being good offensively. And so, and it's just like you got to throw them in those circumstances. Like, you have to play with the players you have. You can't just be so married to a system that yeah. it's and, – and, and I was hearing this discussed, too, somewhere else where it's like you can – like have structure and have it like a a basic structure that's your identity as a coach without having like this rigid system that does it it doesn't even care who the players are which is kind of what I think bonus is trying to do and it's not working yeah yeah that's and 
that's the other thing is like I feel like and I know we've talked about this before and you made the excellent point of like you can have both offense and defense it doesn't have to be one or the other whereas like the stars feel like they're very just defense and it's like well what are you going to defend if you can't score goals you can't win negative one to zero (laughs) yeah and the thing is it's like their defense has looked sloppy this whole series except for like Hastinen like Klingberg looked okay but he's also been responsible for like two of the shorties just completely puck gets away from him and there's the shorty and it's just so weird because there's so many glimpses of like okay this team finally has figured it out they're gonna do it and then they'll have a whole period of just like what are you doing yeah it is it is there, I think there's a lot of, like, no matter what happens in this series, there's a lot going forward that the stars mm-hmm. need to figure out. Like, like and I'm talking coach. GM wise. <laughs> yeah, like, get a better coach. But then you also, when you're getting that coach, you have to talk to them about, okay, like, what do you, like, envision? These are the players you have. Like, it's not going to change that much. What do you envision with this skill set? Like, like, for instance, Kiryanov was the only player with more than 20 goals on the team. So would you give him more or less minutes? That'd be my only question in interviews well, if I was a GM. But it's also like, okay, so I think our offense should be structured around this because I see this as being the strong suit and, like, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And I even think it'd be really interesting to hear some different power play ideas because something I was thinking about is, like, again, I like Jamie Ben, but I just think he's not the player he was mm-hmm. a while ago. And you can't look at how much money he's making. You have to look at what he's doing because the money's the money. It's not going to change. I think it could make good sense to have like Heisken and, and Klingberg on a power play and then do like Sagan, Pavelski, and then maybe like Hints or Bradulov or something like that. Because I think your strength is you have two really good offensive defensemen. Yeah. And so why are you just taking them off the top, one of them off the top power play? Just because it's like, well, every power play only has one defenseman. Like go with what your strength is. Yeah. But I, and it's, I'm, not saying it has, I'm not saying it has to be that. I'm just right. saying I want to hear some different ideas besides let me throw out what we've thrown out the all season and see if that works suddenly. Right. Oh God. That is, that's literally like their method. Well, this didn't work yesterday. Let's see if today's the day. Give it a go. <laughs> well, but in, in stuff that, and I like, we're, we're kind of sounding down, but it really was encouraging how they played, like how they won today and stuff and Pavelski getting, being so productive, I think mm-hmm. is a good sign. Yeah. But in, in other news that I think would make you happy, Vancouver versus St. Louis. Vancouver currently has a 2 nothing series lead. And I'm not going to lie, I'm super surprised. And I knew he wasn't having as good of a season. Jordan Bennington is like, he looks terrible. And it kind of, I saw some, someone on Twitter saying like, he had this one amazing year to get, get the dough. And then it's like he turned back into, I don't know, like an AHL goalie. Because I – and listen, they're not in a situation – like, if that's Vegas, if you swap out one of Fleury or Leonard for uh, Jordan Bennington, they're just benching Bennington and putting the second person. It's a little tough for St. Louis because Jake Allen has notoriously fallen apart in the playoffs and kind of been a little all over the place. And so – 
I understand why they're hesitant to do that, but I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's like my favorite series to watch because especially that St. Louis is losing. And I, although the other night when they, when the blues tied it to go into overtime, I was specifically mad at St. Louis because that was one of the, the stars had a nine thirty start and they Oh, thank God they only pushed it to 9.57. But I was like, of course it would be the Blues to screw over the Stars and they're not even playing each other. But for them being like the reigning Stanley Cup champs, they seem very far and away different than Vancouver. And like Vancouver just looks like, even when they were had the close game, like the tied game, like, they just look outmatched and it surprises me how outmatched they look. And I don't know if that's just because that's what I want to see because I don't like St. Louis. I think there is something to the fact that you play different depending on the goalie, like Mm -hmm. how you feel about the goalie. So I think there's something to that. The thing that's surprising to me, if you look at Vancouver's defense, it's Quinn Hughes and like a bunch of people that I would not like. So St. Louis has Vince Dunn, Colton Pareko, Justin Falk, Alex Petrangelo. With the exception of Quinn Hughes, who I'd put in that mix there, all four of them I would take well and away over anyone on Vancouver's defense. Four. And so you're sitting there and it's like, okay, you're way outmatched that. And then you even look at the offense and you can quibble here and there, but it's pretty evenly matched offensively. And you're sitting there and it's like, okay, so why is there such this difference? And I think the goalie keeping has a huge part of it, but it's it's hard to even know. There's some, some of hockey is just voodoo and, and like, it's hard to even yeah. know. But the thing, it, it is really interesting about Vancouver because they have, and this is like always a complaint for them. You have Elias Pettersson on his entry level. I believe this is the last year of his entry level or second class, one of those. And Quinn Hughes is on the first year of his entry level. So you have two elite, elite players who on a market would, would be worth like eight, nine million dollars, making less than a million dollars. And you're a cap team because you are paying Jay Beagle and Tyler Myers and people who just uh, eh, way too much money. And, and, and it's just, it's, it hinders them. And so I think it's interesting that they pulled together. I think their coach, Travis Green, is a very talented coach. He's, he's been very well-complimented coach in the past. But I think if, they're get, like, if they get through St. Louis, I could see them getting through the winner of Calgary-Dallas, realistically, just because I think that they could outmatch them in some certain aspects. But I have a hard time seeing them getting through, like, a Vegas. It's just kind of – Sorry, I, we're back. Okay. <laughs> But, yeah, it's hard to see them get through uh, a Vegas or someone else who's, like, equally talented because it's, like, well, Avs and even teams on the East, if they somehow made it to the Stanley Cup final, I don't, I don't see that. So that's the, the West. And so then I guess on the East we have to look at now uh, Philadelphia and Montreal. Philadelphia is they're tied 1-1 I found that game fascinating because so Philadelphia won the first game it's kind of whatever yeah Montreal dominated they rocked Philly's show the second game which should not happen 
I was shocked. Like, I think I turned it on in the middle of that game, and I was just thinking it was going to be like, oh, Phillies are going to be, Phillies, Jesus, the Flyers are going to be, like, winning, whatever. I'll just kind of have it as, like, background. And then I was like, what is happening? Like, they just looked beyond just dead. Like, Montreal was just skating circles around them. Yeah, it, it was it was so bizarre. So, yeah, I was I was puzzled by that. Um, and so I'm kind of interested to see what will happen. A little bit of an X factor, though. Oh, someone must have got a goal. That must have been the second game that's on. Sorry, my goal horn is on near me, so you're going to hear that on the show. Um, I, I can check. Uh, I think it's Phillies. God, I keep doing that. Flyers. Flyers. Um, but, yeah, so we're talking about them as their game's going on. I'm not even watching it right now. But, anyways, I, it, it, uh, Oscar Limbaum practice with him the guy who was out for a good chunk of the season with cancer um he's I don't know if he would actually get back now because um he it's not just like hey you have one practice and let's throw you out in the playoffs but if he could even get back at some point in this series that's interesting because he's a really really great young player but honestly Philly should not lose this series so if they, if they lose, like, and I say that the Penguins shouldn't have lost the series either. Carey Price is good, but so is Carter Hart. And so Philly is such a complete team. Like, no, they have to like dig in and be like, this can't happen. Yeah. And I don't watch either of those two teams that often. Well, now I can't because it just went away because we're having severe weather here in Texas. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen in that game, but even just like obviously on paper, the Flyers should be better. Mm-hmm. But I it it's it's definitely the most fascinating I feel like of all the series as far as like unexpected how it's going so far. Even though it is just one one right now, but that second game was very odd. Well, and here's something that was kind of an X factor, which who knows? Um, so Claude Julian. Uh, was taken out of the bubble to the hospital for some kind of cardiac incident. And it seems like he's going to miss the rest of this series at least. And so that second game was their first game back from like their first game after that had happened. So they have like an interim coach and it's not even like they had the season to find an interim coach. They just had to pick one of their assistant coaches and be like, Hey, you're it. But I think that could have been a rallying thing. Mm -hmm. Who knows? It's just, it, it, I think it is fascinating to see. I will say something that I heard talked about from a Flyers player this season. They started their season in the Czech Republic uh, for like the season opener abroad kind of series. And before that, their preseason game, they played one preseason game in Germany against a German team and they lost that game. And it's like a severely inferior, like any of these teams any any like even the Detroit Red Wings are better than that German team and they lost it and the guy was talking about how that was such an eye-opener for them of like can't just coast through like like time to get down to business and they they ended up winning that game in the Czech Republic that actually counted and so I wonder if that Montreal loss like shellacking is kind of a, a similar kind of thing I don't know if, obviously we'll see but that's just kind of a thought that I had yeah so the next one, this one I find really interesting too, Tampa Bay, Columbus. Tampa Bay is currently ahead two games to one, um, but it's been a really back and forth. Obviously, this is the one that had five overtime games. 
So this, it's been a really close series, which is interesting because again, if you're just looking pure talent, I mean, Tampa Bay, it's, it's Tampa Bay, but I think Eunice Corpusalo has been absolutely phenomenal, which is, is, is great to see. But also I think this is kind of where the thing I was talking about that maybe is a, a, a problem of Dallas's is actually a benefit of Columbus because Columbus doesn't have the talent that Dallas does. So they really focus on a structure, on playing a system. And I think when you don't have the talent level, having that really good system and good coaching can make a huge difference. And I think Tortorella has done a really good job. Yeah, I I think I picked Columbus for that series. Although I think that was one of the series I was like, I don't really mind either team mm-hmm. that wins. And they, watching their games, they seem like the most evenly matched of all mm-hmm. the series. And I find myself like really enjoying watching them play because I don't know if I expected them to be so evenly matched and have that back and forth, especially game one going into five overtime. Well, and that's the interesting thing is they're evenly matched in terms of what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it on paper, they are not evenly matched. Yeah. And so that's, I think, a, a real credit, no matter what happens, that's a real credit to Columbus. Mm-hmm. So next one, this one, I think, probably is the most surprising one to me, even more so than Vancouver, St. Louis, uh, Washington and the Islanders and the Islanders have a three nothing series lead. And that is amazing to me. And again, it, it kind of speaks to Barry Trotz and how good of a coach he is. And obviously this is his former team. So maybe he has some scheming stuff that the other team that the Capitals don't have. But the Capitals are really good. They should be really good. And so obviously today was the closest one they lost in overtime. But it just kind of seems a little bit like less to a lesser extent than the Penguins. But a little bit like the Penguins where you're watching them and you're like, something just doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Something like I, I can't put my finger on it, but it just doesn't seem the same. And so I... I mean, obviously, I don't, it's really hard to come back down 3 nothing. So I think I feel pretty confident New York is going to win it. But I don't know if it's because New York is truly that great mm-hmm. or Washington is just not, didn't come to play. Yeah, and, and that's what it feels like. Like when you watch it, you're right. It does feel like there's just something off with the Capitals. Because, I, and obviously I watch the Stars more than any team, but I have caught a number of, Capitals games because I feel like they're almost always on national broadcast or on at least NHL network so I'm really surprised like I wanted the Islanders to win the series but I'm surprised how almost easy it seemed for them because I definitely expected it to be a tighter tighter games tighter series yeah so that and and so I think that one obviously conceivably they're up three nothing but I I could definitely see that one being a sweep because yeah so so weird but the next one this I think is kind of perhaps the most dramatic one for last Boston Carolina Boston has a 2-1 series lead Um, but there's a lot going on obviously I think the first thing to talk about Tuka Rask before game three it was announced that's actually like the day of game three, but like right before was announced that he um, as opting out and returning home to be with his family. He has a newborn 
and I think so he has three kids and one of them being a newborn the thing that I thought I just want to like put out there because I saw a lot of people including stupid Mike Milbury hate him he's he's just so like I can't take him seriously he's not a good he's never like been really successful it's like coaching or anything in the NHL um he he was saying like how the teammates will be upset and selfish and whatever and all of that and the thing that I just and like I saw some people say well why didn't he just opt out to begin with and all of that and here's the thing I feel like you don't understand so okay someone tells me before this whole thing happens hey something's gonna happen because of uh of a novel virus and you're going to get to work from home all the time and stores will be shut down and you'll have to like social be socially distanced and then explain what that means but you get to work from home I would probably legitimately say hey that sounds awesome and now I'm kind of like I don't want to I'm fine working from home now but I don't necessarily I'm kind of anxious a little to return just because I feel like you're missing so much Mm -hmm. and I'm not missing my family He's trapped and he can't see his family, including a newborn. Like you can't put yourself in those shoes to judge that. And I think a lot of the players, like, and obviously they're not going to say anything if they are mad, but I think a lot of the players would have sympathy in the extent of they're in there. They understand that. And not to mention he broke his finger on his right glove hand. So he's hurt. It's a battle to even get through. Keep in mind, they don't get paid anything extra. They are p- playing for money in the extent that they're playing for less being taken out in escrow, but it's not just for them. That's for the whole league. Like there's not any extra money added to their contract for playing in the playoffs. And so you just sit in there and it's like, I can't begrudge him mm-hmm. going home. It, it makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. And especially cause like, even I could see it from like an athlete's perspective, kind of like along the lines of thinking, okay, well I'm, I play 82 games. I'm gone half the half that time anyway. It'll be no problem being in Toronto, Edmonton, whatever for a couple weeks. Not being able to, it'll be fine because I, I've done that before. But I think you like you don't realize how the effect it could have on you until you're there. Like you, until you're like, oh well, just being able to FaceTime or only being able to call like that's not really doing much for me. Like I'd I'd want to see, especially like with a newborn. That has to be yeah. hard. Well, because so, for instance, Joe Pavelski, he has like an eight-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's tough. And like, it's it's tough for everyone, even people who don't have kids. But when right. you have an eight-year-old, at least you can have meaningful interactions. Exactly. There is no meaningful interaction you can have with a newborn over FaceTime. Yeah. Sorry. Like, it's just you get to see them. But there's yeah. nothing, like, really meaningful about that. And so I, I definitely understand where that is coming from. The other thing I feel like we have to talk about in the game, the last game that the Bruins won, a pivotal moment of the game happens. There's a net front battle between Zdeno Ochara, who's like the tallest guy in the NHL, he's 6'9", <laughs> and Andrei Svechnikov, second-year player, one of the better offensive players for Carolina. And it's just your typical net front battle where there, it's a constant battle for positioning. That's what every net front battle is ever. And... Svechnikov kind of turns a bit and his legs twists funny and it seems pretty clear some kind of something with his knee happens. I think everyone agreed it was super unfortunate. I think Chara would feel that way, just super unfortunate. No one's fault. No one was trying to do anything. It was just a really unfortunate 
turn of events. And then the stupid Bruins announcer, Jack Edwards, who everyone, everyone, everyone agrees is just a complete blowhard, is basically mm -hmm. saying like, oh, he asked for it messing with Chara and all of this. And then it's like, okay, if we're going to say everyone who gets in a net front battle is asking to get injured, then like 50,000 players are asking to get injured. Because that happens every, like at multiple, multiple, multiple times every game. Yeah, and he was the one that said game one when the Stars played the Bruins and uh, Polak went into the boards awkwardly and had to be taken off the like ice. Like separated his shoulder right. Yeah, something like that. and Or was it with his clavicle? Something along those lines. And oh, yeah, it was. Maybe he broke his clavicle or something. He, and that Bruins guy was like, that's hockey karma. I was like, are you for real right now? Like, the things that come out of his mouth that he thinks is appropriate say it's ridiculous well just put it this way if and it conceivably could happen a similar net from battle but brad marchand get, gets injured i'm like there's going to be like three internet morons who say that's hockey karma but no announcer like trip tracy who, who covers the hurricanes isn't going to be like well that's hockey karma right and so it's like you're a professional like act better than this you're better like you should be better than this he's not better than this but he should be because that's just yeah and that's the thing too where it's like the Bruins and stuff should should answer for that because this is yeah. their it's not just some random dude like right. I don't think teams should answer for idiot fans because that's all they do then but when it's announcers and media people like yeah you do have to hold them accountable and answer to that yeah because if that's their broadcaster is that is it their broadcaster yeah then he's getting paid by the Bruins. So. Exactly. And so it's like, you got, you have to do something. He and they won't, technically but. represents the Bruins. So yeah. you would want, if I was the Bruins, I'd be like, um, you can't be saying that. That's not how we want to be represented. But I guess they don't care. Um, I did think it was funny. I did want to point out with the Mike Milbury thing and the Andrei Svechnikov. Um, this is the Mike Milbury who tweeted a picture in Toronto of the CN Tower and called it the Space Needle. And it was hilarious. And everyone was <laughs> laughing it up because it was Milbury. So anyways, just, just great. There's some karma for you. It was pre-karma because that was before he said the thing about Rask. But it's like, then it, it made it great because you didn't have to say anything. He was like, yeah, I don't have to take you seriously. You're just the guy who thinks the Space Needle. <laughs> So, anyways, um, I think that's what we have for now on the NHL. Um, let's, do you want to do rant and rave? Yeah. Do you want to you go first? Um, yeah, so my rant is Rick Bonus. I'm sure we're all shocked. So, mostly my rant is, like, his post-game quotes because – they just don't make any sense to me. Half the time I see what he says and I'm like, wait, did I watch the same game he watched? Because there's no way I watched the same game that he watched. Half the time, if they lose, you can guarantee he's going to say, well, that's Dallas Stars hockey. I like the way we played. And it's like, what? you lost. And sure, you can have losses where you've played really well and the other team just happened to play a little bit better and they won. Half the time, that's not the Stars. If they lost they lost because they looked bad like there hasn't been really a loss this series where it's like well we tried our hardest and we just they just got one more extra goal than we did that there hasn't been a game that starts done that but like for instance he on I think it was game two 
game two, Denis Gurionov, our leading goal scorer in the regular season for 2019-2020, played less than 11 minutes the entire game. Less than 11. He had three shifts in the third period. That doesn't make any sense to me. When asked why, Bonus said he looked nervous. He looked nervous, which, look, if an athlete's nervous, totally get it. Yeah, it's a game they've played all the time, but sure, it's playoffs. It's a little different. It feels different. It's worth more. But, like, if he looks nervous, wouldn't you want him to just get the jitters out? Also, I was just going to say two. that, because if you're, if you're nervous, how is sitting on the bench thinking about you being nervous helping anything? Exactly. He looked nervous. Then, a few hours later, for the next game, we're a very confident team. Is Gurionov not on that team? Is he not part of the confident team? I thought he was nervous. And he, uh, he's scoring goals still. Yeah, and, and the thing I think is amazing, I was hearing someone talk about this, because like, uh, I was re-listening to a, a hockey PDO cast with Sean Shapiro, mm-hmm. and it was interviewed in the guest, and they were talking about how he has like the equivalent of a law degree in Russia, and like how brilliant, like Yuryanov does, and he legitimately oh, is like... I thought you were talking about Rick Bonus, I was like, no. are we... <laughs> but, but basically all of that to say, I doubt he was nervous. Like he right. seems to be like super thoughtful and just confident and sure of himself he doesn't look like a rookie out there and like you see how he interacts with everyone no and the only time I've ever seen Gurionov even where I was like oh he's probably nervous was when he had a penalty shot in the winter classic and I that I understood because there were freaking tons of people and like I think that was even in the first period. So it's like you're amped up and it's not it maybe not even been necessarily nerves, but more of just like the adrenaline rush of playing in the winter classic. But like then you have other quotes where this is um, the game that they lost on Friday. Friday. Uh I think that that was the two oh game. And Rick Bonus said we probably played better tonight than we did last night, which is what's the night they scored five goals and won, which I get sometimes like you can score five goals and that can be a fluke. And I don't think you can play worse when you score five goals than you did when you scored no goals. That doesn't make any sense to me. And then after that loss, when the Stars are 2-1 in the series, he says if Dallas continues to play like they did, meaning the 2-0 loss, he likes their chances. Like, it, like, every quote I read, I'm just like, this is about the game that we that just was played, right? Because I don't think I'm watching the same game that he's watching, if that's the case. Which, another thing is, in that 2-0 loss, uh, Guryanov played, I think, almost 17 minutes? A little over, yeah, he played almost 17 minutes that game. And I even saw some people saying, see, he got ice time, and look, we didn't even do anything. I'm like, Okay, well, let's think about this because Bonus has a track record of playing Hintz and Gurionov, giving them extra time after the game has already lost and they've given up. He loves to play the and I, Like mop-up duty. Whole, yeah, made up a whole spreadsheet of proof of this. If you look at it, the games that they have, like, a lot of playtime, the game's already been lost or they're losing by a lot. There's just no coming back from it. 
that I don't know how you have a, a five three when I think it was. Look, that was the nine thirty start. It ended after midnight. Don't remember the score. I just know that they scored five goals. He had less than eleven minutes. Like I don't get even in that. If you're like comfortable with your lead and you think he's nervous, why not play him when you have a comfortable lead? Even mm-hmm. though there's really no comfortable lead for the stars. But I mean, like, like it's because he says one thing and then the next game it's a totally different thing and outcome that makes no sense. Well, and the other thing too is. If they, if he had prioritized playing him more in the regular season, mm-hmm. he would be more sure of himself. Like, how do you get any, like, in order to get veterans, they have to play. Like, yeah. and you look at the Stars team, and, I mean, Tyler Sagan, I think, is someone who's legitimately could still be, have some, like, really prime years left. Mm-hmm. But then look at the ages of Radulov, of Ben, of um, Pavelski. And it's like, okay, you can't just ride these people forever because – they're going to like be either like on their last years or retire sooner than later. And like, these are your future hints, Guriana. Like you have to actually play them for them to get better. Like, yeah. Kind of how that works. It seems so simple. And yet <laughs> here we are. Well, hopefully, hopefully next year we get, I'm, I'm still saying I want Jared go on for Dallas. Yeah. So God, I hope so. <laughs> um, I gotta think, what, what's my rant? I don't even know if I have, like, a rant this week. I know, I, I was I gonna have, say, do I even have a rave? Maybe <laughs> I should have the rant, I, and you can have the rave. I have a rave. Okay, so you I think can rave. I have two raves. Okay. So, first of all, I follow the NHL Swedish account, the official one, and it's really cool. So, yesterday, so Saturday, Friday or Saturday, was Oscar Lindblom's birthday. Not really. I can hear okay, a little good. bit. But, <laughs> but anyways, so yesterday was Oscar Lindblom's birthday. And since he obviously big deal and all of that, the NHL in a Swedish account went to a bunch of like Swedish celebrities and had them like record happy birthday videos in Swedish and including uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who's like the biggest soccer player ever in Sweden. Like everyone knows who he is. It's a huge deal. I don't really know a ton about soccer, but I have heard that name. Um, and so, like, Oscar's girlfriend posted on her stories, like, how cool is this? Like, wishing my boyfriend happy birthday and all of that. And so I just thought that was a really cool idea, and I loved it. That's so sweet. The other thing, and I liked it, but maybe I can send it to you so you can post it on our Twitter account. Um, it, it was posted to Facebook, but it was originally on Reddit. Someone did a compilation of Jordan Martinuk and Andrei Svechnikov. And it's so cool. Jordan Martinuk has this like huge personality. He, I believe, got the uh, alternate captain at Carolina after only one year with the team, just because he's such a big personality. And so he and Svechnikov had this like pregame thing. And they used to have this thing where he would say like, yeah, Svech. And there was like this whole little thing they would do together. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now he does this thing where he yells Mr. Svechnikov. And it's like, I can't even do it. I'm not even going to attempt to just imitation because it wouldn't be near as good. But it's just so cute. And I love that, like, Svechnikov having so much fun with it and, like, including him and the rookie and all of that kind of stuff. It just, it, it warmed my heart. And I love the hurricane. So those are my two, like, cool moments of the week. Those are good. I like, I, I always like when they post, like, teammate things that are, like, kind of like little inside glimpses. And I, yeah, I, you love seeing when they're cute and fun like that. So I thought those were two good raves. So you had the rant, I had the rave. That was great. 
So with that, we will see you all for a quick hitter next week. Whenever we're back, have a good week, everyone. Bye, guys.